Hello, I'm Sofia, and welcome to What We Need to Know About Ukraine. Here, I learn about Ukrainian history, literature, and culture, and share my findings with you. Today's episode is about Grigory Skovoroda. He is known as the first Ukrainian philosopher, and he was part of the Ukrainian Baroque thinkers and writers. His last name means frying pan in Ukrainian, and it is not an alias, and he was also a vegetarian. Skovoroda wrote music, and the song you hear throughout this episode was written by him, both the music and the lyrics that you can listen to at the end of the episode. Now, Skovoroda was a really fascinating person, and first and foremost, he was a philosopher, so let us talk about his philosophy. The Canadian Institute of Ukrainian Studies did a great job of explaining Skovoroda's philosophy, so I will quote a lot from their article. For Skovoroda, the purpose of philosophy is practical, to show the way to happiness. Hence, the two central questions for him are what is happiness and how it can be attained. For him, happiness is an inner state of peace, gaiety, and confidence, which is attainable by all. And to reach the state, some understanding of the world and oneself, as well as an appropriate way of life, are necessary. Skovoroda approaches metaphysics and anthropology not as a speculative thinker, but as a moralist, so he just outlines those truths that are necessary for happiness. Metaphysics is the branch of philosophy that deals with the first principles of things, including abstract concepts such as being, knowing, substance, cause identity, time and space. And his basic metaphysical doctrine is that there are two natures in everything. The first one is the ideal, inner, invisible, eternal, and immutable. And the second one is the material, outer, sensible, temporal, and mutable. The first is higher since it imparts being to the second. This dualism extends through all reality. In the macrocosm, or the structure of the universe, the inner nature is God, and the outer nature is the physical world. So God then controls the physical world. Skovoroda's view on God's relation to the world is that the divine intersects every part of the universe and also extends beyond space and time. While in a human, the inner nature is the soul and the outer, the body. Therefore, the soul controls the body. In the Bible, the inner truth is the symbolical meaning and the outer, the literal meaning. We can see then that everything has two natures for Skovoroda, the inner, ideal, eternal, and invisible, such as God and the soul, as well as the outer, material, temporal, and sensible, such as things that we can touch and see, obviously. From this metaphysical scheme, Skovoroda drew a number of fundamental conclusions for practical life. Since the universe is ordered by a provident God, Every being has been provided with all that is necessary for happiness. The assurance that what is necessary is easy and what is difficult is unnecessary for happiness brings peace of mind. It also serves as a criterion for the material conditions of happiness. We only need those goods that are necessary to health and are available to all people. But to dispel anxiety about material security is not enough for happiness. Active by nature, humans must also fulfill themselves in action by assuming the congenial task for vocation assigned to them by God. To pursue one's task, regardless of external rewards, is to be happy. 
while to pursue wealth, glory, or pleasure through uncongenial work is to be in despair. So if you do not like what you are doing and you're working just for money, you are not going to be happy. Furthermore, since vocations are distributed by God in such a way to ensure a harmonious social order, to adapt an uncongenial task leads to social discord and unhappiness for others. So a job as a thief or something like that is also not a great job and will lead to unhappiness for others, which makes sense. And the doctrine of congenial work is the central doctrine in Skovoroda's moral system. It expresses his faith in the creative potential of human beings and the possibility of self-fulfillment in this life for everyone. And although they were never presented in a systematic fashion, Skovoroda's ideas form a very coherent system. He got a lot of his ideas from ancient philosophers like the Stoics, the Cynics, Epicurus, Plato, and Aristotle from who he selects the basic elements for his own teaching. Following the patristic tradition, he treats the Bible allegorically. He holds that its literal meaning, which is the anthropomorphic God and miracles, is external and sort of false, and then its inner symbolic meaning coincides with the truth known to the ancient philosophers. So in this way, he reconciles secular learning with Christian faith. Skovorda's influence on 19th century writers was relatively smaller than the influence of his poetic style, ideas, and moral example have played in the rebirth of Ukrainian culture in the 20th century, also known as the Executed Renaissance. If you would like to know more about the Executed Renaissance, you can listen to my episode called The Executed Renaissance. Poets such as Pavlo Tychyna, Vasil Barka, Vasil Stus, Grigory Chubai, and Ivan Drach have found inspiration in Skovorda. Grigory Skovorda's thought has been interpreted in different ways, as an eclectic, loose collection of ideas, strict rationalist system, a form of Christian mysticism, as a version of Christian Platonism in the patristic tradition, or as a moral philosophy. There have also been disagreements about the character of his metaphysical doctrine. The debates about its nature to a large extent have arisen because of Skovorda's style of writing, which is more literary than philosophical. His ideas are not organized or presented in a systematic way, but are scattered throughout his dialogues, fables, letters, and poetry. Skovorda preferred to use symbols, metaphors, or emblems instead of well-defined philosophical concepts to convey his meaning. Moreover, he delighted in contradiction, and often left it to the readers to find their way out of an apparent one, in the absence of explicit statements of doctrine and expected solutions to obvious problems, it is sometimes uncertain what exactly Skovoroda had in mind. Now, let's look at an example of his philosophical and literary work, a fable. In his fables, Skovoroda told a story and then a moral, which he called a strength. And sometimes the strength was longer than the actual story. Um, this is the fable that he wrote called The Deer and the Boar. In the Polish and Hungarian mountains, a deer saw a boar and went to greet it. Good health, Mr. Boar. I am glad that you... Why are you so disrespectful, you scoundrel? shouted frowning the boar. Why do you call me a boar? Don't you know that I am promoted to a ram? I have a patent that my family comes from the noblest of beavers, and instead of a cloak when I am in public, I wear skin torn off a sheep. I am sorry, your honor, said the deer. I didn't know that. 
We simple animals judge not by the clothes and words, but by the actions. You are digging the earth just like you used to, and you still tear down fences. God bless you to be a horse one day. Strength. One cannot be surprised at the fools who despised and dishonored the most honest and invaluable beat of virtue, just to make it through the ranks, completely inconsistent with their inclinations. What devil whispered in their ear that name and clothes will change their existence, and not an honest life worthy of rank? Here are truly Aesop's rooks that dress in someone else's feathers. From such a stitched existence, life resembles a boat in which monkeys travel the sea dressed like humans, and none of them knew how to steer. Anyone who has enlightened eye will see what a plethora of monkeys dressed in lion's skin there is. And what are they dressed for? In order to satisfy their desires more freely, to disturb people and break through the barriers of civil laws? And no one worthy of honor is ever as angry as these monkeys with donkeys and boars. As the ancient Greek proverb says, a monkey is a monkey, even in a golden outfit. As we can see, there is no sharp distinction between Skovarda's literary and philosophical works. His collection of 30 verses, titled Garden of Divine Songs, his dozen or so actual songs, his collection of 30 fables that are called the Harki fables, his translations of Cicero, Plutarch, Horace, and Ovid, as well as Muritus, and his letters, which are written mostly in Latin, are generally grouped together under the category of his literary works. Some of his songs and poems became widely known and also became part of Ukrainian folklore. His philosophical work consists of a treatise on Christian morality as well as 12 dialogues. But all of his works contain philosophy in one way or another. He also wrote mainly in Ukrainian. Now let's talk about who was Skovarada and what was his biography. He was born in 1722 in a small town in today's Poltavska Oblast, Ukraine. His father was a Cossack and Grigori studied philosophy in Kyiv Mohila Academy. At the age of 19, he was taken out of his studies, probably against his will, to St. Petersburg to sing in the imperial choir for three years. There, he sang operas and songs in church for the empress. He was described to be a proficient player on the flute, torben, and kobza, as well as some other instruments. At the age of 22, he quit when he returned to Kyiv, where he studied uh, philosophy once again. Soon after that, he left to travel Europe as part of the Tokai Commission for Procurement of Wines for the Royal Court, uh, Tokai being a city in Hungary that is still known for its wine today. Some think that he was taken there as a representative of the church in some sort, or as a translator since he knew many languages, but some believe that he went as a friend of a general who was in charge of this commission. He traveled for five years, where he visited modern-day Hungary, Austria, as well as most likely Italy and Germany. He kept developing his philosophy, learning and exploring these other countries while talking to the elites and the intelligentsia there. After his travels, he returns to Kyiv, where he is invited to teach poetics in Parayaslyv Collegium. He already had his own opinions and did not want to follow the dogma set out to him by the Collegium, so he wrote his own lectures on poetics that did not necessarily align with those of Parayaslyv Collegium and was kicked out after a year of work. 
or perhaps he left himself after not being allowed to teach his course, which was entitled Discourse on Poetry and a Guide to the Art of It. He chronically could not find an understanding or a common language with the school leadership anywhere that he taught, uh, perhaps of his fiery nature, um, and which also contributed to the conflicts. Uh, the philosopher called his opponents unhewn pillars. In 1751, he returns to Kyiv-Mohyla Academy where he studies theology, but he never finishes any of his degrees. Despite being a lifelong student, he even signed his name as Student Skovorada for most of his life. Two years later, he started working as a tutor um, in an extremely rich family that owned lots of land. Skovorada was invited to teach the son of the family, uh, whom he was able to teach quite well. But Grigori was not liked by the head of the family initially. He was not treated very well, and he was not allowed to breach the contract he got himself into. So he got himself fired by calling his students thinking as that of a pig's head. The boy's mother got really mad, and he was fired. A little while later, though, as Skovorada was a wonderful teacher and wonderfully smart and knowledgeable, he was invited back under better terms, which he agreed to. A few years later, um, the child was old enough to continue his education in a collegium, so Skovorada changed his work again. This time, with interruptions from 1759 to 1769, he taught subjects such as poetry, syntax, Greek, and ethics at the Kharkiv Collegium. He was the only layperson that taught there, and to keep teaching he needed to join some religious institution, like a monastery in some way, which he rejected multiple times throughout his life. He was even invited by the Kyiv Pachersk Monastery, but this kind of secure life was too comfortable, too secure for him, it had no challenges, and all this went against his philosophy. Another reason for this being Skovorada's last teaching job is because during this time there was a change for Russification on the territories of Ukraine, especially eastern Ukraine, like Kharkiv Oblast. There is an increased amount of dogma being forced by the Russian imperial court onto people working in religious institutions and teachers and professors as well. Since Skovoroda had his own original view of both religion and education, as well as science and ethics, he gets constantly pressured and harassed into teaching differently. Skovoroda was also really big on freedom, but freedom was not part of the dogma being forced by the Russian imperial court. So soon he got kicked out of the collegium and he does not return to teaching again in his life. When teaching at the Kharkiv Collegium, Skovorada met Mikhailo Kovalinsky, who was a powerful and fascinating person of his own, but also a friend and student of Skovorada. Upon Skovorada's death, Mikhailo wrote a biography where he told some interesting facts about Grigori. Quote, he dressed decently but simply, his food consisted of herbs, fruits, and dairy products, which he consumed for supper after sunset. He consumed neither meat nor fish, not because of some persuasion, but because of his inner disposition. For sleep, he allowed himself no more than four hours a day. When discussing Skovoroda's language preference and nationality, he wrote, quote, When Skovoroda wrote for his country, he sometimes employed the Ukrainian language and orthography used in Ukrainian vernacular. He always loved his native language and rarely forced himself to speak in a foreign language. 
and he preferred Hellenic to all other foreign languages. End of quote. So from this we can tell that Skovardov spoke Ukrainian, wrote in Ukrainian, and considered himself to be Ukrainian. Until his death in 1794, Skovarda constantly traveled and wrote. He died in a village where he worked for the last years of his life. He was a very peculiar and determined person that he not only asked for a specific epitaph to be put on his tombstone, but he also dug his own grave and basically decided when he was going to die. The village in which he died is now called Skovorodinivka, after him, and a museum dedicated to him was destroyed in August of 2022 by Russian shelling. That same year of 2022 celebrated 300 years since the birth of Grigori Skovoroda. The world was catching me, but didn't capture me is one of his most famous lines, which was an epitaph Skovoroda requested to be put on his tombstone. I think it really captures who Skovarada was. He was a very determined person and did not diverge from his philosophy even when it meant that he was going to be relatively poor. Even though he has been forced and heavily criticized for his teachings, which focused more on freedom and happiness rather than being subordinate to anything or anyone, let it be the state or public opinion. For as Skovarada said, can someone who does not know what black is talk about white. Thank you so much for joining me today, and this was what we need to know about Ukraine this week.